Most people were not were not supportive um, again, and they're probably projecting their fears on, onto you and the things that they think are logical um, for people to do. I basically went there on faith from God because I believe that's what He wanted me to do. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of Black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. Hey loves, it's Wanda, the host of the Black Women Travel Podcast. I'd like to invite you to become a patron of the Black Women Travel Podcast. There are a few budget-friendly tiers you can choose from so that as a community, we can continue to heal, ask for what we deserve, get it, and inspire the next generation. Tap the link in the show notes and choose a monthly contribution that suits you. I'm so excited about the episodes you'll hear that will nudge you to love yourself deeper and take more action in your life from that empowered place. Please consider becoming a monthly subscriber through patreon.com slash bwtpod. Get ready to hear another great episode. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Can you please tell us your name, where you're from, your current location, and the name of your business? Hi, this is Ty Wonder Basin. I am from uh, Mobile, Alabama in the USA, and my business is named after me. Taiwanda Basin, and uh, I also uh, coined myself as the border breaking specialist. Uh, I'm currently located in Da Nang, Vietnam. Beautiful. So I was looking into your background, <laughs> Taiwanda. Um, it seems like right off the bat, you had some resistance when it came to your desire to travel. You said that you didn't have any support and that moving away from home, even to another state, um, people were projecting their fears on you. So what was it like? How did you affirm yourself to be able to do the thing you wanted to do? Um, Basically, it came after experience of previously (laughs) doing the things that I wanted to. Um, And I will say, um, by and large, the majority of people were not supportive, but I did have some support. Uh, For instance, my one of my grandmothers, (laughs) she has always been supportive of everything that I wanted to do. So she was one and then like a couple a couple other people. But she uh, has been a big supporter um, throughout my uh, travels and again like other things uh, throughout life um, and basically because I had the experience before uh, moving abroad of things that I you know wanted to do um, in while in the states whether it was related to going to graduate school or undergrad as well uh, which I went away from home is about five and a half hours away 
uh, away from home, which more people would have preferred me to be <laughs> uh, in in my hometown because of the experience over the years. And then graduate school, I moved even further away. Um, and again, like other things that I did that people necessarily didn't agree with, I was well prepared for uh, the decision to move abroad. It was actually like a dream of mine that I had uh, after high school. I said I wanted to travel the world. So it was something that was always uh, with me. And when the time came to do it, I actually kind of forgot about it because I had stopped teaching in the U.S. and I was um, finishing my master's program and it was actually two of my uh, classmates in my master's program who brought it back to my mind and said, hey, why don't you uh, teach English abroad? And I was like, you know what? I can. <laughs> and so at, at that time, there was no one that was going to be able to change my mind. So again, like because of the experience before of not having as many supporters and me going to do what it is that I want to do, it wasn't really a question of whether people or a majority of people supported me or not. So I'm just kind of able to do things uh, without people supporting. But I noticed like as um and I would say maybe for me, I'm not sure about for other people, but I think as you decide to do the things that you want to and you're true to you, you're happy about those things. Other people, even though they may not agree, because I know a lot of people, again, like you said, they they're actually fearful and they project their fears onto you is that over time, after they see that you are um, that you're doing well. Um, and that you are actually enjoying your life, while most of the time they're not, sometimes they actually change their thoughts and their feelings about things. So um, that's something that's still with me uh, today as I decide to do different things. Like in the beginning, people may still be like, uh, I don't know. But over the years, they also begin to change. And there have been some people who've done some of the same things I did who in the beginning were not supportive. <laughs> so that's kind of how I deal I deal with that. What gave you the courage or the drive to not listen to those people? What made you believe in yourself and your dreams so much that you didn't need that support? Probably my, my I'm pretty sure my faith in God has a lot to do with it. Um, since I was like a, a little girl, like I just kind of been different from most people, even when it came to uh, studying. Uh, I remember whatever I had to do. And even if I if the teacher didn't say study, I was always uh, reading, learning. Actually, before I started school, <laughs> I was doing doing those things. And I taught myself to do like a lot, a lot of things. Nobody had to tell me anything. But at the same time, sometimes like my mom would be like, oh, baby, go to sleep and things like that. And this is when I was like really young. But I would just uh, whenever I had something to do, I wanted to put my best into it um, and I wanted to achieve that goal. So I wouldn't stop until I, you know, until I finished it. So um, I think, again, like my my belief in God as uh, as it progressed or developed like over time as well, like I've and I've seen from experience, although people may not agree with the things uh, that you 
that you're doing. Again, like you mentioned, um, projecting their fear on you. A lot of people in the world are fearful, and I found that out through traveling as well. But as I did things um, that other people may not have been so so sure about, and there were times like as an adult, again, like as an adult, things kind of change because then you may start listening to people more when they project their fears. But after I realized, oh, this is why they said that because of their their fear, I learned not to not to listen, uh, listen to other people, because after I reviewed like decisions I may have made based on what other people said, uh, and many times it's based on uh, their their fears and I didn't like the result, then I was able to see back in retrospect why they said what they were saying. It was either for some particular motive or again, like the, the fear, like people want you, <laughs> people want your time or there are things that people want to accomplish. And so therefore, sometimes they need you to do certain things in order to accomplish it. Or sometimes people are trying to give what they think is well-meaning advice, but it's not really because again, it's based on, like you said, um, when they put their projection of fear uh, on on you, that's kind of where it's coming from. So I learned no matter what decision I make, even when I made decisions based off of what um, what other people said, and you know it wasn't like the outcome wasn't so favorable. Over time, I learned, you know, well, it doesn't matter if I make the decision based on what somebody else says or what I want to do, because in the end. I have to own my decisions. So I can't go back and say, well, I did this because of you. So I learned to own my decisions. Therefore, uh, when I make uh, when I make my decisions, even if I take into account what someone else says, I learned to own, own that. So I don't go back and say, well, because of so-and-so, this is why I'm here. Because I know that when I make the decision, it's me making decision. And maybe they were telling me something based on their limited knowledge, um, you know, their experiences or things like that. So I think um, that's where I get the the strength again from my experience of past past decisions and then just going after what it is that I wanted to because I see most the majority of the time and I can't think of everything over my life but the majority of the time when I did what it is that um that I wanted to do uh I see some successful things uh that happened although the majority of people were doubtful for instance when I started teaching in the U.S. Uh, when it was time, uh, time for, well, I should say having my own classroom because I was substitute teaching before um, and did some other things in education. But when um, I decided to make that uh, leap into uh, actually like teaching and I decided to move to another state. Um, and again, like the majority of people didn't really support that. Some people had some jokes. Uh, and when I got there, not knowing that and actually the place where I ended up uh, working, kind of didn't want to work there <laughs> uh, because I didn't start as a teacher uh, to begin with. And that's what I went with my mind set on. OK, I'm going to be a teacher in my own classroom, but they wanted me to be an assistant. So I was hoping <laughs> that I wouldn't get chosen, actually. And but I knew I would um, as, you know, I believe God uh, was the one who wanted me to go and uh, go and do this uh, to start teaching. Now, the thing was, like, although I didn't want to work at this place and I want to work someone uh, somewhere else, uh, starting off as a teacher, which I had the opportunity um, to some somewhat. But 
Luca worked it out. I knew <laughs> that I was supposed to work at that school and they were the first one called. I started as an assistant and within, it started in January. And so at the end of the school year, I decided to uh, work summer school. And then I got a call back saying, hey, um, we have some spots open for teachers and we want you to come back um, as a teacher for the next school, the school term. So it's like literally I just worked for about like six six or seven months and I got a promotion to being a teacher ahead of uh, my classroom. And not only that, even though that wasn't a place I necessarily want to work at, <laughs> um, it was, <laughs> yes, it, I really did. I, I, I wanted to start, I thought, as a teacher of my own classroom, but something happened and it was, it was tough. It was because of the environment that we're working in for students who have behavioral and emotional difficulties. And some of the stories I would tell people of what happened, they didn't want to believe it. They thought you're making it up. They couldn't fathom like things like that happening at a school like almost every day. And um, after I think it was in the second year, after the first year, I got my first full year in. And again, like I said, when I was little, I always put my all into things so sometimes I would stay late to like nine or ten and somebody would pull me aside and say hey <laughs> you know Miss Payson you know the work will never be done don't stay here that long you know take it home with you I would still work on it you know at home but I want to put my all into it and to help my students and so the next the next year I'm um, starting my second year of teaching of my whole our own classroom and that one was like a super tough year um as as well but I will say that first year all the things were were very tough I prayed like just about every day and I learned like more about myself and um and and my faith as well which that definitely helped me to get through and again I had people telling me hey why are you doing that you don't need to be there you could be making more money and why are you putting yourself in that position because of the environment but I stayed I truly want to help the kids so in the next year um it seemed to get tougher at a point <laughs> and I remember one day it um it was uh, so tough because again I, I pray a lot and I really wanted my students to succeed and there was this one week where I um I was really praying these kids uh some of them were still dealing with some of the things that they went through had you know lots of things happened to them in their backgrounds and stuff still going on as they're coming to school and supposed to be learning um, that particular week, uh, it was just, it was wild. Okay. Um, uh, and the level of like the kids that I had in my classroom, it was really high. I was actually over, I think over the limit for the number of students for my class. And then I had A's or people that came in to help my students, which the people on the outside look like, why does she have all those people? But it's because they were needed. Like some, like they weren't an assistant. They were helping the student just because she was, um, you know, hard of hearing, um, like this. But I remember one day with one particular student, he was so, uh, so angry. He wasn't the only one through the whole week, but he was so angry and, um, something happened he had to go out and usually we have to go and uh, assist uh with with our students if they have behavioral issues so he had gone out of the building my supervisor went I felt like I need to go and seemed like he was gonna become like physically violent and I remember <laughs> I still between them because I was like okay this is my fault I don't want to get hurt and then all of a sudden when he lunged scratched me and it was like a little scratch 
but um it hurts so much i i don't know i don't know why it it was a little scratch but it hurt like i don't know what and um, my supervisor told me to go in uh, and I remember uh, when I went in because I had really been uh, praying for my kids and it didn't seem like there were results from it, like it was helping them. And I knew what kind of pain and things that they were in. When I went inside, I didn't go back to my classroom. Um, I actually went to a little room in, in the building um, and I went there. It was dark. <laughs> And um, I went there and I was thinking about it. So it's like, oh, my goodness, this seems like what I'm doing. I'm not helping them. Um, and so in that moment, I had made up in my mind that I was actually going to quit. It's like I got to I'm gonna turn in my keys because I'm not effective. I'm not able to help these kids. And um, I was actually in there. I started to cry <laughs> uh, because, again, like I know, like the pain um, that they're they're in and what I was trying to help them. But it didn't seem like it was working. And my supervisor came in to um, talk to me because I guess she didn't find me in the room. And she, you know, let me know when you are at um, leave work at work. You know, she said these kids, she said we can, you know, we can try, but don't take that as a reflection on us because they have so many other things that they're dealing with. Um, and so after she talked to me, I did go back to the classroom. Um, but my partner, I think she kind of knew and just told me, you know, to go to the office. Um, and when I, after the kiss, she said that she would take care of the kids. And I went to my office in the room. And then when it was, um, after the kids had left and it was time for us to go home, when I came out, um, she told me, she said, you know, Miss Basin, she said, God, put your tears in a bottle, like from one of the verses, um, in, in the Bible. And so I still felt defeated, <laughs> you know, it's like, I would, I haven't been able to help or so I thought. I hadn't been able to help the kids. So I think it was a day or two later when I came uh, back at school and my partner was good. She was like for the next day or two, she was like, I'll take care of the kids at the end of the day. And you just go to the office, um, you know. And so I was in the office. Uh, this was like right after this happened. And it was, a, again, like I said, a difficult week. And I had totally forgot about something that was that had been going on. And I never would have thought this for myself um, but I was in the office and all of a sudden I heard a commotion on, um, in our classroom and the kids is like, they were screaming and I heard stuff moving. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, uh, thinking that something had gone awry when the kids were acting out and I went out and they were all cheering. It's like, yay, Miss Payson. Yay. And I was like, what? what are you doing? What are you talking about? Cause I was just, you know, in there like, you know, okay, just, just thinking. And it turns out, uh, they had made an announcement again, what I had totally forgotten about for that week. Cause I was so focused on helping the kids was that we had voted, we had voting for teacher of the year. There's no way in my mind when I voted, did I ever think that, it would be me. And I voted for someone else because there were teachers, veteran teachers that have been there, you know, 10, 20 years um, or, you know, it could have been less. But some of them had never, ever been voted teacher of the year at that particular um, school. And so it turns out that that's what had happened. So they had voted me teacher of the year. And this was my peers again, um, those who had been teaching, of course, like way longer than me, even if it was like a couple years more, because this was only starting my second year. 
And so I was just like totally, totally surprised, especially after that week, because I had thought about just a day or two before I thought I was a failure. And I was like, I'm going to turn in my keys because I haven't been able to help these kids. And um, I think, again, like experiences um, that, I, that I've had and something that someone else pointed out to me, one of the uh, custodians at the school, he came in like one day to talk to me like um, after he said, you know what, Ms. Basin? He said, I knew when you first came to the school and this was when I was an assistant. He said, he said, I told um, or he yes, he told the head custodian, he said, he said, she's going to be teacher of the year in two years and when he shared that with me I was like what I couldn't believe that someone I'm just coming in that he kind of predicted that to her was like I'm going to be teacher of the year in two in two years but he told me he said you know what he said it even surprised me because he was saying he told her in two years and this is when I first came to the school and I was just working as an assistant because he, he told me, he said, it's actually been less than two years because I haven't made like two full years of having my own classroom. And I was like, wow, that sunk in too. Um, but seeing because they also let me see uh, notes that my peers had had written, like when they, um, you know, voted for who they want to be teacher of the year to some of the things that they had said. And again, some of them were veterans. And I was like, wow, that they thought. Um, that they thought those things are that much about me and like what I had been doing with the kids. So again, it's kind of like the experience of the things that I've done before I had gone to that state. Again, like you mentioned, there are more people against me going and they had some funny things to say. <laughs> you know, somebody was like, hey, don't let me find you on the street like playing, you know, like panhandling, playing, <laughs> playing a guitar for money. So I had people to say, all kinds of things um yes uh again most people were not were not supportive um again and they're probably projecting their fears onto you and the things that they think are logical um for people to do i basically went there on faith from god because i believe that's what he wanted me to do and like i told you the school wasn't even the school that i wanted to i want to go at i want to start off a teacher of my own classroom but it's like god had his own own plan in my i knew at the interview when i went to that particular school although i had i think like four uh four different interviews um that that's the one it was going to be the one and i was just hoping like please let one of the others like call me back even uh, one of the schools I want to work at where I could have been a head teacher where the vice principal when he called me back there were I think like five people four or five people that he had called back for the interview for that school and he talked he spoke to me specifically before we had the interview he said he said I want you to know he said I'm gonna call back like he said the four or five people and he said you were one of them he said you want to know why I called you back and you know for the interview and I was like you know, yeah, he said, out of all the people that applied for that uh, that particular job at that time, they were only accepting online um, applications and, uh, you know, um, making more things like, you know, online accessible. So they weren't accepting paper applications anymore. And um, I had done that for, you know, several schools, but hadn't heard much back. But uh, one day something came to me and I'm pretty sure it was God. <laughs> let, let me know. Um, I don't know. Remember what information it was, but it talked about cover letters. So I decided to send in cover letters um, to some of the schools that I had applied to. And he told me, he said, 
the reason why he called me back was the day before he was calling people in for the interview or uh, going to call people in for the interviews. He said he received my cover letter. It was on, you know, on top of the fax machine. And he said out of all the 600 people and he said 600 people had applied for that one position. He said I was the only one that sent in a cover letter. And that's what intrigued him about me, why he called me back. Um, for the interview with those um, particular people, but that wasn't one of the ones. <laughs> I didn't get that position. Mm-hmm. I thought that I would. It was the other school, which I knew I would I would get. But the thing was, when I thought about it, I said, well, if I had been at the other school, because they ended up getting someone who was more experienced um, working um, working with kids and working in education at the other school. But, you know, by me going to the other school, starting as an assistant, I had I probably would have may not have had the same success. So I believe God knew where he wanted me. and He put me there and it was very tough. And people were like, why? (laughs) Why are you here? Not knowing that in less than two years from an assistant to teacher that I was going to be voted teacher of the year at um, that particular school. So this, this was in Atlanta, wasn't it? In DeKalb County? Yes. That is like so fierce to be. It's like a trial by fire. <laughs> yes. They call it. To feeling like yes. you weren't being impactful. It seems like you value very much uh, fulfillment. Like that is something that you really desire to have uh, and the things that you apply yourself towards. So it's hard to measure an impact on someone's life. <laughs> Yeah. Like you're saying, you don't know what those what those kids are dealing with when they go home. I mean, you sometimes have an idea. Mm-hmm. But coming to school and being supported and newly supported at that uh, is totally different from having support all the way around, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's really gorgeous that you could have made that presence in their life. Mm-hmm. So, so going from that school, uh, from the state of Georgia, you went to the country of Georgia. Oh no no no! Um, the first, the first uh, country was Korea. Okay, and then you just haven't stopped traveling since then. It seems like. Um, I had some brief periods because usually I go, um, I go home to like visit. Um, I would say the longest was the last time that I went, and that's when I decided I didn't want to be in the classroom anymore. So. Um, I decided to go back to the USA for a job um, to try, you know, something something different. And I actually stayed there for about two years and three months. And then I s- decided to tra- start traveling again uh, last last year. And how has that been? So this coming December, it's going to be ten years that you've been traveling and working and figuring out what works for you and how you want to express your talents. Yes. It's, you say how has it been? Yes. So it's coming up on 10 years. Like, uh, it seems like you've been reflecting a little bit on your whole experience. Yes. Um, it's been uh, awesome. I'm so thankful to God. Like, you know, as I look back on things that happen again, you see things in um, in retrospect. And um, when I mentioned uh, uh, mentioned before about like when that week 
uh, in the school where I thought that I was a failure and I was going to turn in my keys because I didn't feel like I had helped the the students. It turns out that's what I was thinking because of what happened, you know, that particular that particular day. And I wasn't seeing what I want to see. So but sometimes it's not all about what we see um, and, you know, you know, before us, uh, because I realized after that from, you know, my students and then others um, that were with them. And the reason why my peers have voted me you know, teacher of the years because they were able to see something different where I was, I was focused on, okay, look, the child acted out that day, scratched me, the behavior hadn't changed because I didn't see the hour thing. But like you said, you don't know what they're going through or what's going on inside of them. And then able to see like the changes and, you know, um, that, that are taking place in them until they tell you. And so I had them to tell me and people on the outside, even other students to tell me and the teachers to tell me how I had, you know, impacted others life, whether it was hair, some things I didn't even try to do, but not even realizing by me making that decision, uh, which kind of goes back when I said, when we do what it is that we want to do, why I do the things that I want to. And I don't, um, if I make a choice, you know, influenced by someone else, whatever it is, I learned to own um, my decision because by me just being natural, I'm thinking to myself, I want to be natural. I didn't care who didn't like it, (laughs) you know, Um, you know, even my mom didn't like it. (laughs) First, you know, it took some years before my mom accepted my natural hair Um, because most people are, you know, boxed in by, you know, what other people um, think and society and a lot of times they uphold what society says not thinking that hey if you change then these things will change too but by me just being natural as a teacher there I didn't know until someone told me they said you know the student from this class this girl um, here she you know said that she admired me and looked up to me so much because she loved my afro and me wearing my natural hair and it made her feel proud of herself and not only that the boys in my class again that week I didn't think are on the outward side you don't see what's going on but they had talked to other staff and one of the staff told me that you know the boys in my class they also talked about my hair like when they saw me wearing my natural hair it made them feel good about their natural hair um that I was just wearing it. and again I was just thinking to myself you know what <laughs> I don't want any perms anymore um so I'm going to wear my hair. Um, And so the same thing about um, the traveling, I've done the things that I wanted to go to the places where I wanted to. And as I mentioned, a lot of people weren't supportive, but I've seen some of um, my staff uh, or not my staff, but um, but my uh, colleagues uh, previously who were against or didn't think that it was so safe to travel. Some of them have even gone abroad and some of them have changed their, their mindsets about being abroad because they were able to see when I did what I did. Now they're, they were able to see over time like, hey, maybe it's okay, you know, to do this. And even within my family, like even my mother, although she, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, when I brought it up to her one time, it was after like several years, I said, hey, why don't you come with me? And she was like, well, I might just do it. So <laughs> at least that was, that was a that was a start. But I've I've seen other 
other people as well. Like, again, I've had contact with people over the years, whether it was through like my old blog or sharing information online, because I just really wanted other people to know, you know, you can travel if that's what they want to do. Not only travel, which is why I call myself the border breaking specialist, is that whatever it is that you want to do in life, you, you know, you can do it. The only one holding you back is yourself. And because even those people, like I said, if I make a choice influenced by someone else or what other people people, you know, think because they don't like this or whatever, I still am responsible, like, for my choice. So I even think, like, even when people are like, well, no, because of this person held me, you know, held me back or because this person, I didn't do this. Nope. At the end of the day, you're still responsible for your choices. And so as I did what I did going abroad, there are people who I had contact with who I was able to um, consult before I started my business, um, you know, and they've gone to places like and Russia, places that I haven't been. And some have gone to the places where I've been, like Saudi Arabia, and they had, you know, um, good, good experiences, um, except for two where I advised them <laughs> not to do something. But um, and they went against that. Uh, but. There are so many more other people that I didn't know that I, you know, impacted like over the years, but they may mention me somewhere else, like come out and say, like I had one young lady, um, she made a post um, online where she shared something that I had shared. And she said, you know, this was the lady, she said, who inspired me to start traveling six years ago. And I don't remember talking to to her, but now six years, sometimes you don't know. So it's not all about what we see. So I didn't see that, that I inspired her to, you know, to do that. But six years later, then she was mentioning that or like when I met someone finally in person of all the people that I had helped, you know, over time. Because, again, I just genuinely wanted people to know about this. Hey, if you want to do this, you can or whatever it is you want to do. Don't let, you know, don't let fear stop you. And I met one of the people I communicated with online while in China and we were at a party and um, didn't know uh, that this was the person. But uh, someone at the party said, hey, let's introduce ourselves. We'll go around, say your names and where you're from. And then when it got to me and I said my name where I was from, the person was like, oh, my goodness, that's her. That's what I was telling you about who helped me. The reason why I was, you know, started going abroad, you know, um, right there in China. I was like, whoa. <laughs> so um, I think uh that's how I'm able to do what I do because I see and again like starting back from years before even as a even as a child when I see when I do the things that I want to do I was able to um, see like somewhat some of the fruit but the fruit of what we all do we'll never see the the entire picture or how many how many people we impact by being true to ourselves and doing the things that we want to and not living living in fear so that's something uh, when I decided I was going to go <laughs> last year, same old, same old, like I said, some people still are kind of like, you know, like, mm, I wouldn't do that, whether it's from church or some somewhere else. Um, uh, because, again, people's people's fears. But I learned not to listen to that because I thought about, you know, after all the experiences, I think about everything that's happened in my life and think, wow, I wouldn't have achieved or seen any of this if I had listened to what other people said or, you know, their fears. So that's something um, as to how I was able to, you know, start back again, <laughs> traveling like last year, because I know. What are some of your self-care practices? Um, 
for scared um i think it probably doesn't take much for me like <laughs> um uh i do love bass oh my goodness i love bass so when i was actually teaching uh teaching abroad when i went to career that was the first time i didn't have a bathtub <laughs> in my life I was like, whoa, they don't have bathtubs. And um, then in Saudi Arabia, except for this third place. Yeah, I think it was the third place. where Actually, the second and the third place where I was, they had bath bathtubs. But the third place was uh, more, more comfortable because <laughs> we didn't have to share, like, the um, the bathroom in that place. Uh, so definitely taking baths. But since I've been abroad this time, no bathtub for me. <laughs> so, um, but I, I guess, like, the major part of the self-care would be, again, like my faith with God, prayer, um, reading, uh, taking time to, um, you know, think about what what I'm reading, having my communication, communication with God. And then also this time I'm traveling a little bit different uh, than I was because before um, I was doing it as a teacher. So I was actually teaching um, in different countries. And this time, because I started my business before before I left, I'm able to work remotely. So I'm not teaching like any schools or anything like that. I just mainly do my work online. So I'm able to be more flexible with my schedule and kind of decide things as I want to. So maybe there's, you know, a day or time and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm just tired. I need some rest. So I, you know, take that take that time that time off um and so yeah just being able to take the time knowing that i can um kind of dictate my schedule how how i want to again which may not be what other people like because they want you to fall in line with what everybody else is doing and i'm like well i don't have to do that (laughs) so the self-care will be making my own decisions when it comes to like my time um you know things like that so I spend a lot of time with myself and relaxing and realize I don't have to overdo um overdo things or do what everybody else wants me to do either so um so yeah just taking time for myself uh my my faith my faith in God minus my bathtub this time but <laughs> yeah they don't really do bathtubs in Asia like that <laughs> No, they don't. But I found out um, after I went to Peru, which was the third country that I taught in, uh, someone had told me about portable bathrooms. And I had, not bathrooms, but bathtubs. And I never knew anything about that. And they actually told me about plastic um, plastic one, so I was like, "Oh my goodness, I like a plastic! <laughs> um, I'm gonna get one of these." And then when I searched online, then I saw that they had, you know, all kinds. And when I went to China the first time, that's when after um, after I had been in Peru, and I was bent on, I'm gonna get a bathtub. And um, the people at the school are in my particular program just couldn't fathom that. They were like, what do you mean? And somebody like they were making jokes like, oh, you mean like for a baby? And I'm like, "Mm, "Okay, whatever. Um, But I was bent on getting ordering one offline, which someone was trying to help me. Mm -hmm. And one day 
the principal who wanted to improve his English whenever um, he would see me in the cafeteria he would come over to try to like uh, talk with me briefly so he would ask the lady who was helping me um, helping me out with things like how did I like the apartment I was in because apparently he had um, stayed in that apartment on campus apartment and wanted to know if I liked it I don't know if they would have changed if I didn't <laughs> um, but he would ask her about how was I doing and things like that so she had told him um, that I was looking for a bathtub and so as he <laughs> was listening to her he told her to tell me to stop stop looking he was going to have someone to take me out to find what she said was a wooden barrel <laughs> I was like okay a wooden barrel okay and I imagine myself seeing a barrel okay I guess I could step up into a barrel at least I'll be submerged <laughs> in the water um but when they took me um, to actually look for it, uh, I saw what I never saw before. And we went to this shop and they had the most amazing bathtubs made out of wood. Um, these things, some of them were like so fancy. Um, they had smaller ones. They had larger ones. They had little seats that go inside of them that were adjustable and basically they told me I could pick what I wanted because um, that's what he said he was sending me out so the school paid for it and I got a bathtub a nice bathtub with a little adjustable seat in it um, so after that I was like hey yeah I can get a bathtub I wish they had these wooden bathtubs like uh, around in other places um, but the second when I went to Shanghai I was also bent on um, getting another, another the uh, bathtub I purchased it on my own though but someone helped me to find it like online I got like a little smaller one but um it was so nice to like have that <laughs> um would you say that uh specifically uh it seems like prayer is is a part of your life so is that the thing that keeps you grounded or is there something else that keeps you grounded um, yeah, my my relationship uh, with God definitely from, again, from when I was little. Um, and of course, like over time, as I grew older, um, I, de I developed more, you know, through experience, um, reading. Um, and again, yeah, just like the person, I would say my relationship with God and my faith comes, a lot of it comes from what I've seen. Um, what I've seen happen uh, we have you don't know what's going to actually take place but it's like I know what God can do or I know what God has you know has said has said to me like when I was going to Atlanta it was totally not my idea <laughs> to to go there nor to teach because um, uh, actually when I was little um, when I when I was younger it was my dream to be a teacher until third grade and I used to practice being a teacher and I actually made my sister and my cousins and whoever else my friends you're going to be my students and if I didn't have anybody to make <laughs> make me my students I resorted to my dolls and stuffed animals okay uh, so I really wanted to be a teacher when I was little until third grade and um, my third grade teacher who had also had my brother uh, before before me she totally uh, loved me loved me and adored me and I the same for her because I just love to I love to work um and again like um do my best on everything and plus I was quiet uh, <laughs> so I think teachers teachers like that I, I really only speak when I um feel like I have something 
uh, to say, like normally, unless people are like maybe asking things. But outside of that, I may not say <laughs> may not say too much unless I feel like is um, something important that that I need to say. So in third grade, my teacher, when she again, like thinking she totally loves me and everything. And when she asked us what we want to be when we grew up, when I stood up, and said what I said, doing she loves me, and the other kids had gone, and I said, I want to be a teacher, then all of a sudden, her demeanor and everything changed, and her voice <laughs> changed, too, she said, no, <laughs> don't be a teacher, and I that just, like, shocked me so much, and I'm like, I'm the only one in the class, and um, I didn't understand why right then, but then she prefaced that by saying, she said, no, she said, teacher, she said, we don't get paid enough. We have too much work to do. And she kind of went off on a list. But then after she said that as to why I shouldn't be, she said, you can be anything you want, want to be. She said, you can be a doctor, you can be a lawyer, you can be, a, you know, scientist, all kinds of things she started naming off. And because I loved and respected her, I put being a teacher, which was one of my dreams, totally out of my mind. I, I didn't think about it. Like anywhere, I immediately went to, okay, well, what am I going to be? <laughs> and, but throughout time, over, over time, um, even up until before I actually decided to go be a teacher, even when I was in graduate school, um, I was going to be a clinical psychologist, okay? Um, and work in the education system, though to make changes to the environment, um, people would like tell me, hey, you make a great teacher. And people would bring it up to me. Um, even people I didn't know, professors like in my undergrad. And I would be like, what are you talking about? I'm not going to be a teacher. Like, <laughs> so, so when it came to me, I was actually working in the mental health field uh, back home. And it was like, okay, be a teacher, go to Atlanta. I was like, hmm. <laughs> okay. So that was like kind of like out of the blue after all those years I hadn't, you know, thought about it and although people would bring it up, you know, you would make a great teacher do this for me to go do that. That was totally out of like what I was thinking cuz I had put it out of my mind that I was not going to be a teacher, but you know, I was thinking, what can I do in the education environment? Like in high school, when I decided what I want to do, that I want to go into psychology. And it was for the um school environment as to why I wanted to um go go into psychology and then decide a clinical a clinical psychology so um but then that changed <laughs> so um yes it was my faith which is why I brought brought that up my faith in yes. my faith in God and saying you know um what happens again despite what people um people say all the things that I've seen happen like in my life um I trust that and <laughs> A funny thing is that, again, like I told you before, I went abroad like the first time. And then there are just some people who are always like negative. Um, like I said, I have one grandma. <laughs> one of my grandmothers has all she's been supportive of everything. And some people were mad at her. Like, it's like, what do you what do you mean? They were mad. They didn't say anything to me. Like, they're mad. You're the one encouraged <laughs> to this. So. Uh, some people think it's like so totally dangerous. One of my other grandmothers on the opposite, uh, she thought I was going to be killed. Okay. Like, <laughs> so there was some, some people who thought that. So when I was leaving the U.S. the first time, um, she was the one that thought I was going to be killed. And um, also other people, which is kind of odd to me, are <laughs> that 
because people I know in a church, it seems like for me being a, a Christian and again, like I've learned through my faith and probably through experience, it seems that there are like way more people at least in my experience, when I've done some of the things that I wanted to that are more fearful than some of the people I know on the outside who are not mm-hmm. um, and try to keep you from doing things. And I'm like, if I'm going abroad and how do you expect these things to happen? Like in the Bible, it clearly says that you go into all the world and preach the gospel. I mean, I was going teaching, but the fact that they're saying, don't do it, you know, and thinking I'm going to be killed, like. Hmm. Do you think all the world is America? <laughs> so, um, yes, one of my grandmothers thought I was going to be killed before I um, when when I left. Um, and some things just don't change uh, after <laughs> a couple or a few years later. Um, after I had had experience, I wasn't killed in apparently um, in Korea that first year. And I've been to other places, Saudi Arabia. Um, been in Israel and that's another little story there because I was in Saudi and again there are other people when you meet when you're abroad which is I want people to know uh, like the people I consult make sure you know your goals before you go and those who I work with um, that's one of the things that we touch on make sure your goal you know your goals those things are clear because even when you go abroad people are people all Mm. around the world so there are going to be people there who are going to try to also box you into what they think you should be or you should be doing. Um, and unless you have your goals like set, it's easy for you to box yourself in once you're abroad to. Um, and I say box yourself in because even though, again, like people may say things or project fears or things on you at the end of the day you're still responsible for your choice that you make. I mean, I hear people all the time are like, because of so-and-so, this, I never did this, and because of this, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's like, basically, your fear is what's, you know, what kept you from doing what you want to, and your desire for being comfortable. So you're comfortable because you know what's going to happen, whether you're on that job, for instance, like um, being an entrepreneur. I'm glad I did it. I mean, there are people who skeptical. Um, skeptical before but I'm glad that I just went ahead and did it especially before some people in the church (laughs) knew like somebody found out after the fact that I had left my job and started started um you know my my business I'm glad it was after the fact but they still were very negative after like what you didn't if you had are you sure that this is God and like you know what (laughs) sometimes at least from what I've read in you know in the bible god didn't tell everything for people to do sometimes he tells you what to do other times it's because he's already blessed you and equipped you to do something so he doesn't have to tell you every single move that you make although i know some people <laughs> you know they're like god told me what to wear today and what color and i mean that's him maybe he did i don't know but there's some things he just blessed you and equipped you with when you have skills and abilities and things like that and you can go and do something there's some that have faith to know that I believe God is going to help me, you know, to to do this thing. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of, again, yeah, it's my my faith, my faith in God. And if I didn't start my business, um, it's a, I don't know if I should say this, but, <laughs> um, and maybe I won't say it. Uh, but I've seen, again, like people, even if you make a choice based on based on fear, 
it doesn't mean that you're going to be happy. Um, the majority of people that I've met, um, whether it's when I was back in the USA, um, since I've been abroad, um, online, since I started teaching online, again, I was just kind of like, you know, I'm just going to, you know, teach teach English online and it turned into so much more than that like I had no idea I would be helping people for things like um, people being suicidal or people deciding that they made up in their minds they're going to leave their families their wife and their children or things like that um, or someone dealing with bullying and all kind of, all kinds of things I had no idea um, that that will happen but I've realized over time again I know people are people but that a lot of people are just living life in fear and they're not doing the things that they that they really want to do again they box themselves in because of what they think or what because uh what other people have have said to them that influence their decision but at the end of the day they're still responsible um I think I believe for their um for their decisions so I've seen what I've done that other people may have been against or not supportive of or like why are you doing this and I know that hey I'm happy <laughs> I'm enjoying things but this person is trying to tell me this and I actually told this to someone one day they told me they said why don't you um get up like us wake up in the morning and go about a regular day like everybody else and I just said to them I said are you happy <laughs> and they knew that they weren't. So I said, okay, I do what I want to do because I'm happy with it. But you're trying to get me to fit what you want, want me to fit, saying, why don't I do this like everybody else? And everybody else who's doing this whole routine that apparently society set, which society is made up of people, so the people decided to go that way, you're not happy. So why would I do that, <laughs> you know, to fit in with everybody else and be unhappy? You said something that I found interesting that you were told to take God with you where you went. And it seemed like a fearful thing someone had said. And so your response was that, that you don't have to take God with you because he's everywhere you go. Yes. Yes, that is um, so very, very true. I didn't tell this to the person because <laughs> it probably would have seemed like kind of disrespectful at the time. I, I've changed um, I've changed a lot like over time whether it's from being abroad and the other things that I've done you know like I said the experiences before like even in the USA all that prepared me before I even went went abroad and did things that I did but and I thought about it like if you actually read the Bible like how could you say you take God with you when God is basically tells us God is everywhere God created everything therefore everything is nothing can exist without without God so and even when I went abroad to Korea something that I never thought once I once I got there again like having the majority of people um, saying negative things to me and this was also people in the church someone tried to guilt me like in the church and these were people that I felt that I volunteered with at um, the church that I had been going to. Um, and they, I believe they cared, cared about me, but again, the fear. So I have to remove that. And when I think about people, I'm thinking, okay, why are they saying what they're saying? Um, and kind of separate that from, you know, from the person. So you don't necessarily, sometimes you do got to throw the baby away with the bathwater, but, <laughs> 
but not all the time. <laughs> There's some that you just got to them that way. But, but some of them you don't, you don't have to. And so they tried to actually guilt me, like, for my decision. They were like, well, what if you go abroad and you get sick and you're in the hospital and none of your family can reach you? And why would you put them through that and all this kind of stuff? And... I just kind of had to separate <laughs> those things and I listen like, okay, I know what, what I'm going to do. Um, but yes, I believe that God is, um, is everywhere and he created all of us and the person in the people in Pakistan, he loves them too. Um, the people over here in, you know, in Yugoslavia, the Ukraine, you know, as as well as in Nigeria, he he love he loves us all, and he if he created the world, um, why would there be a part that he would say we can't go to? He created it, um, so that's kind of when I hear people saying those things. First of all, I'm thinking they hadn't read the whole Bible. First of all, or if they had, they they didn't really take it into account. They need to read it. <laughs> again um but also when i went to korea like i said something that i didn't expect and going back to what the per you know person said to me to take god with me i was like what do you mean put him in my pocket like but when i got to korea something i didn't know was that korea had the largest church in the world um which is yoido uh, Yoido Full Gospel Church and I didn't find that out until I got there and I was like whoa and here's someone telling me to take God with me when Korea has the largest church in the world and there are so many churches there <laughs> like I don't know I don't know if it was something I read while I was there that they had more churches you know in America it's like they're like a church on almost every corner I believe they said per um, whatever measurement that they were using that there were actually more um, in in Korea, you also found out that they send missionaries from South Korea to America. Yes, I was so like surprised when I was sitting in church that day, and they said we have um, these people. I think they want to bless them, or uh, they were sending them off, and then they said they were they were sending <laughs> sending them to America. I was like, whoa! Like so, people outside of America was like. They need Jesus. They need God. <laughs> so I was like, whoa. Because growing up in America, again, and I think this is where um, people's mindset comes from when they're like, um, even though I was like, there are some, you know, Christian, then there are people that are not Christian, but even just within the Christian community of those people that I know that are, that were like against, um, against me going or say things like, are you sure about, you know, all this? And I'm like, didn't they say go you into all the world, preach the gospel? So how, how y'all going to do this? Unless they think for them. And this is what I found um, from the beginning when I left um, America, even up until like when I left, you know, uh, the the last time into that, some people I believe they think the whole world and they think the whole the safest thing and the only place where people are gonna be saved is America, <laughs> and um yes so so when it comes to and I think you <laughs> I think you have to reel me back in uh, with with the question <laughs> I was also <laughs> wondering about how you like to explore. So when you get to a new place, how do you learn about your new place that you're in? Yes. Um, so it just kind of it just kind of happens. Um, I, I prefer things to just kind of happen naturally. 
um, instead of like, there have been times where I've gone on like tours or things like that, but that's like a small amount of the time that I've been on broad, uh, been abroad. Most of the time, I just like it to happen naturally. So whatever it is um, that I'm doing, I just live life as it is and things just kind of happen um, as I go. I don't like um, uh, necessarily like forcing things or let's have this experience or like this. I just go about life. And so I found that as I go about life and doing some of the things that I do again, they may not necessarily be things that other people want to do or that they like. I've been able to um, learn a lot about the places where I've been, the people there, the culture and things like that, even though some other people might not agree or think like, like you could, because when I went abroad again, again, the first thing it was my dream um, to travel the world. Then I said that I wanted to see what life was like outside of the U.S. Um, I wanted to see it for myself, um, what it was like, the culture, the people, the food and things like that. So when I travel, it may be a little bit different from other people. So I'm not when I went out, I wasn't looking for America. Um you know, in the places where, where I went. And if things were different, sometimes I may have had to adjust, um, adjust my mindset to something like, especially in the in the beginning, because things were different. But I'm like, wait a minute, that's what, what I was looking for. Like when I went to Korea and I realized that they eat a lot of rice. And, <laughs> and at the school I was eating lunch. So there was a lot of rice and they eat, they make so many things, rice cakes, rice wine, rice all kinds of things and um the rice that they had was sticky and um I wasn't really used to that so one day when I was shopping uh I was going through the rice aisle and they had so many options but then I asked uh, my co-teacher who is now my fr uh my friend um I asked, I was trying to ask her uh, like about the rice because I didn't know which one I said you know I'm looking for the rice that's you know you know, like, she was like, what do you mean? Here's the rice. And I'm like, no, I'm kind of looking for the one. You know, like, when you take the fork and you, like, fluff it, it, like, it moves. It's just, like, separate pieces. So I was basically looking for what I was used to uh, back at home. And so she forgot what I was saying. She said, oh, she said, I know, I know. She said, um, Taiwanda? She said, you want the American rice? You go to America. <laughs> I was like, at first I was like, whoa, it kind of threw me back. And I was like, what? Like in my mind, I didn't say anything out loud, but in my mind it threw me back. But then as it threw me back, I thought to myself, I said, you know what? She's right. <laughs> I want American rice. I go to America. I came to Korea and they eat mostly sticky rice. So after she said that, I went ahead and I bought the um, the rice that they use, which was, I think, all the rice on, on the entire aisle. And I decided to start using a rice cooker um, at home. And I actually grew to like the, the rice in Korea so much to when I went to China. I thought China was going to be the same as Korea, like a lot of things. And I found out China is basically totally opposite <laughs> of Korea. Um, yeah, I was trying to eat rice there, and it actually is the kind of rice that <laughs> we've been looking for at home where it falls off. And I'm like, how do you eat this with chopsticks? Really, why do you have chopsticks for this? <laughs> Are there any song lyrics or poems that speak to you these days? Um, These days, I wouldn't know. I think just... 
we are like <laughs> quite a few for different different situations. I know before I left the USA and one that's still with me, like one of my favorite is um, A Whole New World. Uh, and I like the version saying by people, Bryson, and I think it's Regina Bell. Um, but that's the song that I thought of when I was leaving before I left the USA uh, the first time. And I started my blog, which was I didn't think about doing in the beginning before I left. But one of my cousins was like, hey, why don't you start a blog? Like share everything. And I said, you know what? Maybe I will. So I started it. And that was the song. Um, that I chose because it was like I'm going into a whole new world and I still think about that I still love that song um, but then yeah they're they're like so many others because uh, I think I put a post like online one day um, about which I think like song describes I guess your experience like abroad or something like that and um, what song did I choose Never mind, that wasn't a song. <laughs> that was a TV show. Uh, but there was one with a song. I do remember. I can't think of the song, though. So it was something else more modern. Um, but I can't think I can't think of it. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's, there are many. <laughs> there are many out there. Okay. No poem, though, no poem. that I can, I can think of. Okay. Um, how would you say or would you say that being a black woman has impacted how you've been able to travel? Um, you know, what? something that I think, although it can be viewed as negative, like depending on where you are and depending on the person, their perspective uh, now that I that I think of it is that although a lot of people may have experienced, especially in East Asia, of being like stared at and is very uncomfortable and things things like that one of the things I realized over time that even though that happens because you're different it's basically like the whole thing of an alien dropped out of the sky thing um I'm readily identifiable <laughs> there's no well I'll take that back because there have been instances where people because they weren't expecting that and um for some reason I don't know why but most places I go sometimes it seems like I don't know I assimilate people think I'm from there <laughs> it's like seriously <laughs> um but I think the fact that you are so identifiable, like whether it was in Korea and even in Saudi Arabia, although they have people like me, my hair kind of set me apart. Even though sometimes I wear the hijab like over it, it was like the Afro puff, like the bump. <laughs> like someone told me, it was like, oh, what's that? They thought it was something I put like on my head because I had the hijab on. And I was like, no, it was my hair. Um, there were times where I would some beautiful things that pieces that they had they were like big that you could put up there I would do that if I wore a ponytail but then they told me that that is seen as like a status symbol for women like when uh, men are looking for their wife or something like there it denotes that they're like supposed to be like rich or something <laughs> so I was like oh okay uh, <laughs> and a lot of them said that they desired that so asking me about it because they would actually buy things to make like kind of like a bump in the top of their hair when they put on the hit the hijab mm -hmm. um so i think being diff different and identifiable by people 
because you stand afforded me to be able to do the thing that I wanted to. Like I said, I want to see what life is like, find out the culture and the people. So people have been like very welcoming um, and I've been able to get, you know, close to them. Now that I'm necessary to like all this, they kind of bring me in and make me a part of things. Sometimes where it's like, I'm like, you know what? Okay, I'm going to do this. (laughs) But um, I've been able to, you know, see into like people's people's worlds where they've invited me into their homes. They shared about customs or gone, you know, places uh, with them. And I've learned a lot about their culture, like through through them, through observance and them telling me. And I think um, that's because I do stand out. So um, I'm not I don't necessarily look the the same, although some people do think this seriously. Uh, It shocked me in Korea when some people thought I was Korean. It's like one older man, like on the subway, he told my co-teacher he wanted to know where I was from. And she told me that he thought I was a famous Korean singer. And that's when I started to realize, oh. There are people in places that look like me. Like <laughs> they, most people do look this certain way, but there are people who have darker skin or certain features, like um, like what we have. So I think being a, a black woman, that's been able to allow me to kind of infiltrate um, things a little more because people are very uh, very curious. Um, and things like that. And again, like I said, some people may see that as a, a a disadvantage, but I've seen how it's always worked out, worked out for me. Um, mm-hmm. I've been fed quite a bit in places too. Oh my goodness! I, I look at my pictures. Eat, so. <laughs> yes, I I do. I can do without eating because I found over the years, and it was due to people feeding me <laughs> throughout my travels. When I went back to the USA the last time and got my place and I started cooking, I realized I no longer enjoy cooking. Um, and I think <laughs> it was because I'm eating though. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, because I don't enjoy cooking, mm-hmm. that means I'm not going to cook all the time. So I can, yeah, just say I can go without eating. But it's, you know, fasting and all that, too, is like a part of like my, my faith as well, um, which is something that I was introdu- introduced to back in the U.S. like first. And the first time it was kind of like a shock. But um but yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I do like to eat more so if someone else is preparing it. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> and how can the listeners support your work? Uh, yes, uh, so they can um, go to my website, which is taiwandabasin.com. And um, they can sign up for my newsletter there, which I um, don't. So don't worry about me sending, you know, overloading you with anything because I uh, send send it out um, every now and then when I have something um, that I believe is uh, really, really, really good to good to share or <laughs> when I have time. So you can find me on Taiwan um, at TaiwanDeBasin.com as well as follow me. The places where I share the most uh, because I don't. Uh, have to maybe like write as much or anything. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Facebook. I'll say those are the major ones at Taiwanda Basin. So especially on Facebook, you want to um, make sure you follow at Taiwanda Basin um, for my business business page where I'm usually sharing um, 
everything related to like what I do, my travel experiences I and mean, things like that. And then there are other places, social media, you can find me as well, such as um, Firework. Um, what else? LinkedIn, those places. But I would say like the main ones would be Facebook mm-hmm. and uh, Instagram, as well as my website. You um, tend to share quite a few opportunities on uh, I've mostly saw on your Instagram. So if folks are following you and, and you post that, they'll be able to get get the little job they're looking for or whatever opportunity you're posting. I'm yes, sure, yes. Sure and I should appreciate that. Yes, yes. I do share some things because I was doing um, recruiting um, at, at one point. Then I kind of stopped doing that. I might be going back into someone contacting me about um, assisting them. And then other people said, hey, um, if you uh, send referrals to us. So I may go back into that. But I realized that takes a, a lot of time. But I do also share opportunities that others have. And I know some people who are actually like um, recruiting, recruiting for places like China or Thailand um, that I can, you know, share as well. Okay. So I will put those links in the show notes. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate you sharing. It was like a walk of faith, essentially, your, your journey in faith, believing in yourself and finding your way through and what has helped you to, to stay that. Because 10 years is a long time, even if you've been back, you know, uh, back home. So thank you. I really, really appreciate you sharing all of that with the good, the good folks uh, for the podcast. <laughs> You're very, very welcome. I thank you again, like for having me here uh, to share my experience as well. And I hope that it does um, inspire some people to know that whatever it is that they want to do, um, they can they can do it and don't um, don't hold back. We only get one life, <laughs> so that we know of. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> yes, here on this earth is one time, but I do believe. <laughs> after this earth and I'm so looking forward to that one so (laughs) well don't go too quick that's all I'm saying Um, yes ma'am well you have yourself a gorgeous evening and thanks again for taking the time to chat with us today thank you so much and you have a good evening as well thank you you're welcome bye Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da